You're listening to the Crossroad Podcast with Joey Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, the Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. All right, welcome to our second episode of season three of the Crossroad Podcast. This episode is devoted to trying to define what we mean when we use the word culture. In our last episode, we talked about organization, the term organization. What do we mean by organizations? How do we define it? And if you'll recall, one of the things we talked about was the three essential elements required to make an organization. Those three elements are a purpose, a structure to achieve that purpose, and a team of people to enact those structures and to share in that purpose. So those three elements make up an organization. So culture then, what do we mean by culture? You you hear the word culture, it's kind of a buzzword in our society, and we use it in a lot of different contexts. Um, If you're in a place that you're upset about, you might use the term a toxic culture at the workplace or something like that. Uh, The synonym that we like to use is dysfunctional, a dysfunctional culture. So what does that mean and how does that develop? We'll get into that a bit today. Another thing you might say if you're at a place that you really enjoy, you might say the culture there is great. We have just a really great culture in our organization. What do we mean when we're saying that? What exactly are we doing? And I think maybe the great question that we're trying to ask, the greater question, is can we build that? Can we be intentional about affecting that and making that? And this goes back to season one, but I think one of the misnomers, one of the myths that we get into is we think that the CEO is this culture bearer, the sort of standard bearer for culture in an organization. And which is one of the reasons that we want to be in positions of leadership. It's one of the reasons we like the idea of running our own company, because we think to ourselves, I can make the culture what I want if I'm the guy in charge. One of the things that we found in our work with different organizations is that there is no one person more important than the CEO in setting the standard for culture, but the CEO can't set the standard for culture by themselves. To say that another way, everybody in the organization, every participant is responsible for developing culture. Because when we talk about culture, what we're really talking about is kind of uh, the veins of the body, the arteries of the organization, the lifeblood, if you will. We're talking about what happens at the water cooler. We're talking about the way that people gossip or don't gossip, the way that people deal with conflict, the way that emotions are responded to by other members of the team, the way that ideas are shot down either in official uh, settings or in private kind of casual things. So if you have a if you have a coworker who is very dismissive about risky ideas, that's going to inform and, and help develop a culture. If you yourself are that person, that's going to help inform and develop culture. As we talked about in episode one, a lot of the illustrations and the mental model that we're going to use are with like kind of a business context in the workplace. But an organization is not confined to just business. It includes any group that's gathered for a purpose. And those purpose can be relational. So things like family and social groups, 
it can be based on hobby. So you can put in like reading groups. It can be faith-based organizations and, and nonprofits and all, all sorts of different things. So the same sort of rules apply because all of those things are just different manifestations of an organization. They're different ways that we organize, all with the goal of achieving and participating in purpose together. Another thing that's tough about culture when we talk about culture is uh, in the illustrations I used before, toxic culture, the culture at this or that place is great. We, We get very kind of localized when we're talking about that. We're talking about our own experience. But there's this greater conversation about pop culture, or we use the word culture in this kind of sweeping way to talk about, you know, an ethnic group and the way that they dance or the way that they speak or the way that they celebrate food. Or uh, we talk about within America, the general like attitude and, and all of that applies as well. What's tricky about that is if you think about America, America itself is an organization just like every country is, but with such a vast diversity of people and places and experiences, it makes uh, the shared vision component very complicated. It makes the structures very difficult to establish and to maintain. And so we get this kind of complex web of subcultures within the popular culture, if you will, that can form a lot of dysfunction. We certainly are experiencing that in today's world. It's easy politically to look at this because we've got two kind of distinct cultures with two distinct ideas of of a shared purpose. And they come and clash with one another and they view each other as enemies. And and that can, uh, you know, that has created an element of dysfunction. And you get that in the workplace. Uh, I mentioned in the first episode, the example of us with our softball team, where some people think the point of the softball team is to win. And some people think the point of the softball team is to have fun. And so in the workplace, you get the idea of some people think the point is to just do our work, keep our heads down, make some money as safely as we can so we can get on with our lives. And some people think the purpose of the company is uh, to push the envelope, to explore, to take some risks, to provide service for people, even if it costs something. So all these things make it difficult for us to unify and come together. It makes it challenging for us to establish and to maintain culture. And so the tricky thing, and we'll talk about this throughout the entirety of the season, is how do I take responsibility for my point, my portion of that, no more and no less? How do I fight for what needs to be fought for? How do I uh, lay aside what needs to be laid aside? And how do I discern the difference. And the reason all of that is important is because we cannot escape the fact that if we are in an organization, we're on a team and that team develops a culture together. And so what I do, what other people do, what we do together develops into this thing that we call culture. And I think one of the things that's pervasive in our society, certainly in our businesses or any other, our families even, is uh, what we call a blame culture. And so when things go wrong, we start pointing fingers and say it's your responsibility to change and to make this better. And obviously the assumption there is that I'm doing everything right. And one of the practices that we've learned from, from a mentor of ours is He'll say like, well, is it possible that there's even a, a, you know, 2% of this that, you know, that you can take responsibility for, that you can do something about? 
and, and if you can focus on that 2%, well, then we're just that much better equipped uh towards establishing a culture. We're just that much better at maintaining a healthy culture within our organization. So we've heard a lot of different definitions of culture, a lot of different ways to explain it. And one of the most practical definitions that I've heard is a shared understanding of what is honored and what is shamed. And so let's break that down a little bit. Think about your family of origin. Uh, What were the kinds of things that were honored? Were you celebrated if you got good grades? Uh, were you celebrated if you, you know, got in a fight at your school and stood up for yourself? Or were you, um, you know, punished for getting in a fight? Were you punished for getting bad grades? Because one of the things that is very prevalent in our experience is that culture develops out of what we do more than out of what we say. And so I might grow up in a family where the parents say to me all the time, your grades are not the most important thing. We just care that you're trying. We just want you to be happy. You know, school is not the end-all be-all, right? They can say that. Um, and they can even say that relatively consistently. Consistently, Let's say they they come back to it a couple of times a year, a couple of times a month even. But if day in and day out they're asking about grades, if day in and day out I'm being punished for bad grades, if my good grades are, are uh, put up on the refrigerator, if I'm given extra allowance money for good grades, it starts to communicate that grades actually really are the most important thing that are going on in this place, the most important thing that I can contribute So when we talk about honor, that's what we're talking about. The things that we celebrate tend to get repeated. And I think a lot of organizations make the mistake of sort of saying one thing in these grand statements. Um, An example might be, you know, your company's like one kind of hoorah at the end of the year where everybody gets together and celebrates the achievements and you, you know, spout out the company mission statement and you celebrate employee of the year uh, for the thing they're doing. All these things are great. But again, if you don't reinforce those kinds of things day in and day out, if day in and day out, the thing that gets honored is whatever the, the boss wants, whatever the CEO is telling you to do, what you get is a culture where people innately understand to succeed here, to be a contributor here, I have to make the boss happy. And making the boss happy might actually be the thing that leads to that employee of the year award, not anything that has to do with the mission statement or, or any of the things that we pretend it does. And so day in and day out, we're constantly having these interactions where we're communicating value to one another. We're honoring certain behavior. And what we honor gets reinforced and what we reinforce gets repeated. On the other hand, talking about shame, which is you know a turbocharged word in today's world. But when we talk about shame, what we're just talking about is the opposite of honor. Uh, so if you're in a meeting and the CEO brings up an idea and somebody raises their hand and says, I'm not sure that's going to work, and the CEO explodes and kind of yells at them and puts them in their place, then we're shaming that person for certain behaviors. In this instance, we're shaming the employee for challenging the boss. And so that's not going to happen because what gets shamed gets ignored. If we repeat what is honored, we ignore what is shamed. And so people are going to learn. They're going to be paying attention. They're not going to be as willing to speak up. They're not going to be as willing to to say something 
uh, that might get them reprimanded, might get them fired, might have negative consequences. And again, I'm not using this in the sense that we typically use the word shame, but in the sense that we're talking about it, there are certain things that do need to, to be shamed. If you want to have an organization that is about telling the truth, well, then you can tactfully and do this in a way that uh, honors a person and their struggle, but you can kind of shame uh, falsity. And so you're not shaming a person, you're shaming the untruth. You're shaming something that, that you don't want to be a part of your organization. We do that in our marriage. We kind of shame, if you will, uh, not sharing truth together. And so it is difficult for either of us to admit when we are guilty of that because we have a culture of saying this is not something that we're doing. But on the other hand, we honor truth-telling so much that to even come to somebody in vulnerability and say, I did this shameful thing, uh, is more powerful in our marriage than the hiding in the in the shame. So anyway, all of this to say that I think one of the most practical definitions that we can talk about is what is honored and what is shamed. That sets the culture. It sets the atmosphere of the organization. It helps to put parameters on our attitude and behavior, and it gives this kind of subtle, constantly reinforced messaging of this is who we are and this is what we're about. And if you fit in with that, this is what you're going to have to do. And if you don't fit in with it, you're probably going to be on the outs, and you're going to be on the outs by these specific types of behavior. And again, to tie this into those three elements of, uh, of an organization, the purpose, the structure, the people, one of the ways I like to think about culture, and this is maybe a, a second kind of definition or, or, or way of thinking about it, is culture is, uh, let's say that your purpose is like the uh, main conference room and your structures are all of the different offices and your people are obviously the individuals that are sitting inside of those offices. Culture is the hallway that connects all the hallways that connect all of those different pieces. It's the thing that helps us to move within those three elements and hold a sense of consistency and alignment. And again, we do that by honoring, by reinforcing the behaviors that are in alignment with the purpose that we're trying to achieve uh, and by, in a sense, shaming the behaviors that don't. And so culture is is that uh, active part of us. It's that blood that's flowing through our organizations. It's that air that we breathe. It's the it's the movement that brings the blueprint of an organization to life. And I think at the core of what we're talking about is culture is the expressed values of an organization. We said in episode one that culture is the character of an organization. So if you think about character, individual character, and the way we, we use that, we're really saying the same thing. Individual character is uh, the parameters are what do you honor, what do you shame, what are your values, what do you do, and how does that align with your stated values? The same thing works at an organizational level. level. Uh, individually, we call it character. Organizationally, we call it culture. But at the end of the day, they're, they're two parts, a kind of yin and yang of what it means to be a human and to experience a meaningful life. And they're both, character and culture both, are about values, are about the way we express values, the way that we communicate values, and the way that we align 
what we think is our values with what is practically being implemented. So again, if my family of origin says grades are not that big a deal, uh, just try your best, but then they berate me every time I get a B, well, then there's a dysfunction, right? They're communicating two different things. They're communicating two different values, and it creates this tension and this, this chaos within me as a participant in that family of origin because I, I don't know exactly what to do. I'm confused. I'm getting you know mixed messages. By the way,